I wonder if as churches we don't end up looking more like this than we do what God wants us to look like. If he were to come, if Jesus were standing here in our midst, would he say we are a people on task? Have we got life on mission the way it needs to be? If you had only one thing to do in life, what would it be? Some of you remember the stories of uh, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCulley, Peter Fleming, and Roger Udarian. Anyone remember the story of these five missionaries down in South America and how they were trying to reach a tribe of people who were in the deep woods, the forest, and they landed to make connection and they were killed by the people they were trying to, to reach. I don't know if you can read the little excerpt up here. It's taken out of uh, Nate Saint's personal, uh, sorry, Jim Elliott's personal journal. He would read the scriptures every day and he would journal and the thoughts as he was meditating and asking God to speak to his heart and he wrote down, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Well, he gave up his life that he could not keep. And he has gained that which he cannot lose, which is the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. These five men were people who were on mission they were living a life on mission. When I first became a Christian, I began to read the stories of, of individuals like this, and I, I learned about these fellows from the fellow who led me to know Christ because he went to university with some of them. And so it was very close to home for him. They were willing to give their lives so that these folks could learn about Christ. What price are we prepared to pay? God hasn't called us to become martyrs, but he has called us here in Truro to live for him, to honor him, to glorify him, in thought, in word, in deed. And part of what we're doing here in these next 40 days is to think about ways that we can do it with an impact on our community and a way that might change our lives. And if you will follow the things that we share with you in these next 40 days, you will find that your life and your Christian life is changing and that you're discovering more power as the Holy Spirit begins to work through you you'll discover that you're able to speak to people that perhaps you haven't spoken to before. And I'm going to encourage you in that. C.T. Studd was a, a very famous cricketer. Of course, we don't know what cricket is here other than a little insect that makes a lot of noise in the summer. But in, in the UK, cricket's a very popular game. It's their equivalent of baseball, only without a... Well, it is a bat, but it's a bat that got run over by a truck. 
and they can never seem to throw the ball straight. It always seems to hit the ground before it does anything else. So I never was able to figure that game out. But he was famous. He, he was top of the league. And he came to faith in Christ, and he gave up his career in order to go and share Christ with other people and founded what was then became known as the Africa Inland Mission. And he wrote this, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. I wonder if some of these thoughts, some of these phrases, are the kinds of things that the Holy Spirit has been embedding in your hearts as you study God's Word. What drives you forward? What is motivating you? What is leading you on? Do you really recognize that you are living a life on mission? Or are you just trying to get through each day? God has called you to a higher purpose. As I read the Bible, and as I've stood at many gravesides, and conducted funerals. This is a passage that we often read. It says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to eighty. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Lord, show me that my life is short so that I will make my life count so that I don't waste the time you've given me. One of the things that has pressed on me, and the reason I'm standing here today, is because these verses have become embedded in my heart. And I want my life to count for Christ. I don't want to slowly fade away somewhere. I want to be found serving Christ when I'm called home. What will you be found doing when God calls you home? It's a very short life. I can't believe where the years have gone, where the decades have gone. I can't believe that my little children now have children of their own. But it's so. Jesus, speaking to the Father, said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that he can give glory back to you. Is that a mark of your life? Is your life giving glory to God? We were singing earlier about raise a hallelujah. That's giving glory to God, isn't it? But we want to raise a hallelujah with our lives, not just our voices. The hour has come, glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. You have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one that you have given to him. Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. And the Father has given him the authority to give us eternal life if we come to him. That's incredible to be given that gift, and then to be asked to share that gift with others around us. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent into the world. We hear these words, we read these words, but do we realize 
how incredible they are in a world that is that has gone mad in a world where people are dying daily where people are suffering who are leaving this world without knowing Christ are we concerned are our hearts and our lives moved to be different, to make a difference so that other people can know? People in Truro, we have a wonderful opportunity just outside the door here on Love Truro. And we'll be talking more about serving our community, but a great opportunity out there. Take a look at it as you go to begin to get to know your community, to serve your community, to show the love of God to our community. Jesus said, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus lived life on mission. He came into this world for a specific purpose. He lived his whole life to accomplish that purpose. And that purpose was the cross. To go to the cross to pay the price for our sin. If Jesus had gotten off topic, off mission. One of the temptations that Satan gave him after his baptism was, oh, fall down and worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And Jesus rebuked him because his mission wasn't to come and receive praise from us. His mission was to redeem us. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, the people standing beneath the cross were hollering at him, if you are the Son of God, come down and save yourself and save us too. They wanted an easy saving from the Romans. Jesus was on mission and he chose to stay on the cross. Had he wanted, he could have called 10,000 angels and he would have been delivered and all those who sought his life would have been obliterated. But he came because his mission was to come in human form, to be the Lamb of God and to take upon himself our sin. You cannot live a life on mission unless you are persuaded that your sins offended the heart of God. You cannot live a life on mission unless you are persuaded that your sins had to be dealt with and that it was only Christ who could pay the price of that sin. And then we can live a life of gratitude not to earn our salvation because nothing you do can add to the work of Christ. But all that we do now, we do in gratitude and thanksgiving. And we seek to live a life on mission in thanks to the one who loved us and gave himself for us. In the Westminster Shorter Confession, our catechism, there's a question that's asked, a catechism is simply a series of questions and answers that are used to help teach young Christians the basics of the faith. That's what a catechism is. We, we don't call it that anymore, but 
that's essentially what it is when kids are in Sunday school or, or going to classes. It's a catechism. It's a teaching. And in this Westminster Confession, the first question that's asked is, what is the chief purpose for which humanity is made? And what do you suppose the answer to that question is? Fellowship? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You've been peeking ahead. Some of you, some of you have been learning. Well done. Our chief purpose in life, why am I here on this planet? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And if you had asked me or told me this when I was a younger man, I would have said, oh, my word, that sounds so dull. That sounds so boring. I'm sure it was dull and boring for Nate Saint and Jim Elliott as they were flying over the jungles and, and asking themselves, how can we reach these people? How can we share Christ with them? I'm sure it was dull and boring for, for C.T. Studd and, and for William Carey and for all the others as, as they packed their belongings in coffins and carried them overseas so that realizing that they might never come home except in a wooden box. They went on mission to share Christ. As people, as, as you read the, the book of Hebrews and you read chapter 11 and you see what God has done in the lives of those who have lived lives of faith and trusted him. And I have to tell you, my life has been many things, but it has not been dull. It has not been boring. God has put us on an adventure of faith, and it's still fresh every day. Glorify God, enjoy Him forever. So whether you, Paul puts it like this in the scriptures, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I like that. I can glorify God by eating. <laughs> hey, some of you might, come on, let's admit it. We enjoy our food, don't we? But we can glorify God by eating good food and giving him thanks for it. Do you give thanks before you eat? Glorify God. Give him thanks for the food that you eat. You can glorify God by giving him thanks before you go to bed at night. Thank you, Lord, for a clean, dry, safe bed in which to sleep. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not looking for a cardboard box to, to try and keep me off the ground tonight. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not afraid that someone's going to come and and harm me tonight. We can glorify God in all of these things by being thankful for everything that comes into our lives. Always be full of the joy of the Lord, says the apostle. I say it again, rejoice. There is so much that God has given us. We can live a life of thanksgiving and of rejoicing. And it's not a simple happiness or a momentary pleasure that passes, God enables us to rejoice even in our suffering. 
when Paul and Silas had been unjustly arrested and beaten and then put in chains and locked in a dark inner prison. They were up at midnight singing songs and praising God because they had the joy of the Lord. It's worth pursuing. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So I glorify God first by my faith in Jesus as the Messiah. I put my faith in him. And then by enjoying him, living in union with him as his disciple. I learn to rejoice by serving God and allowing and seeing God at work in and through us and lives being changed and the work of God going on. There's nothing more exciting. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let your lives be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Live your life for God. That's true worship. Worship isn't just singing on a Sunday morning. Your real worship takes place when you live your life every day. As you live for him. As you think about what you do. As you live lives on purpose. Lives on mission. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't get so caught up in daily living that you lose sight of the reason that God has called you into his family. It's so easy. It's so easy for us to, well, the neighbor got a new car and this one's getting a little old and, you know, maybe we ought to just go and get a new one and it could be bigger than the one they have. I don't think he's got a backup camera, but I've got one now. We set our hearts on things that are passing. We set our hearts on things that the day we enter the presence of God will mean absolutely nothing. What are the things that you are going to take with you into the presence of God? What treasure will you lay at the feet of the Son of God when you see him? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And we learn about God's mission for us living life on mission for Jesus. And this is what we mean by living life on mission. You learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And you can't say that for a lot of things. That it is good and perfect and pleasing. But God's will is. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at how we can do this. It's the how part of the story. This is, today is all about the why.
But in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about the how. And one thing you can do, of course, is what you're doing right now. Be here for each of the Sunday messages. We've done the overview today. We'll be looking at the connect, the serve, the share, the grow, the pray in the coming weeks. And then we're going to be asking you to be involved in a small group, discussing these things with each other, encouraging each other, challenging each other, working these things through. And uh, again, if you, you're, you've not made your connection with a small group, today's the day to do it. We're hitting the ground running this week, starting today. So check in, be in one of those groups, and we'll get you going. And this next step is the personal devotions. And this is an area that could radically change your family and your home. If you are not presently doing daily devotions... In your bulletin, we've given you a little booklet. You'll have seen it. And it goes along with this whole series. It's called Life on Mission. If you want to grab that very quickly, I'd like you to look at it with me. If you open it up, on the first page that you see inside the cover... We've put together a little guide for you. We've given you five ways of doing devotions, of reading the scriptures so that the Spirit of God can take that portion and help you to understand it. You can read that for yourself. And I'd encourage you to discuss these in your small groups. Say, how's this one working for you? Well, that one didn't work so well, but this one I really liked. And you can compare, and you can compare the different passages and what God is teaching you as you go through. But here's what I'm going to challenge you to do in your homes. If you don't presently have family devotions, I'm challenging you to start. Maybe there's just one person in your house. Maybe it's just you. Then I'm going to encourage you, maybe at breakfast or maybe at supper time, take this out, sit down, and on the first day, under overview, each of these pages is for one week. So these are your devotionals for a whole week. One to five. One for Monday, two for Tuesday, three for Wednesday, and so forth. And I'm only asking you to read one verse. Can you do that? And then I'm only asking you to answer one question. So I've made it as easy as possible. And each of these pages is a whole week. And you only have five, Monday through Friday. We've given you the weekends off, but I know some people are task-oriented, and you're going to get to Saturday and say, you didn't give me anything to do Saturday. Well, for you folks who want something extra, we've given the digging deeper portion at the very top of the page. That's the digging deeper. You can read those, and you can use one of those devotional methods as you read it, and you can continue on and keep that going. And at the very bottom of each page is our not forgetting verse. I was told no one can do memory verses anymore, so these are not forgetting verses. <laughs> All right? So here's the challenge. 
whether you are alone, a couple, or a family with kids, even little kids, would you do this? Whether it be at breakfast time or at supper time, you will know what works best. But have the whole family sit down together at a table and eat the meal together. Do we still do that? Some families do. Some families have stopped doing it. People just come in, grab something, go watch the TV or get on the computer, and away they go. But get together as a family, have the meal together as a family, and then before dessert, because after dessert they're gone, before dessert, read this verse and then ask the kids to answer it for you. Answer the question. And then write down the answer that you come up with. If you haven't been doing this, and you, or you haven't been doing it regularly, it can change the quality of your life as a Christian family. Because it will help you to begin to focus as a family on God's Word and to discuss it together. And some families even find they begin discussing other things around the table. And their family unity begins to grow. So I'm going to encourage you to do that. And as you do it, there's one other thing I'm going to be asking you to do. If God is blessing you, would you write a little note? You can either email me at mark at Emmanuel Churro. It's on, the, on your bulletins. And just in 25 words or less, tell me how God is using daily devotions in your life. And we'll encourage each other. And then I'm going to ask you to serve your neighborhood and your community. I'm going to ask you to do it individually. And I'm going to ask you to do it as small groups. If everyone in this church started looking for a way to connect with a neighbor and serve a neighbor on a regular basis, what kind of a difference do you suppose that might make in Truro? I suspect that if we make this the culture of our church, that we are constantly looking for ways to serve our neighbors and serve our communities, that it will radically change the nature of this church. That and prayer. These are two things that we can never give up. Praying for one another, praying for our neighbors, praying for our community, and also looking for ways to serve them. You can do something as simple, and we put a list out here, just outside the door to your left as you go through these doors. There's a list of 40 ways that you could do it. And of course, you've got the table with Love Truro, and there's all kinds of ways you can serve your community there. But look for a way to serve others to bless others. Ask God to give you an insight as to what you can do for one of your neighbors. And let's see what God does. And then, of course, I've already mentioned the not forgetting verses that we want to hide in our hearts so that they're there when the Holy Spirit needs to call it up to encourage you and to bless you and to strengthen you. That's what we're about over the next 40 days. And it's going to keep us busy. And there we go. Nate Saint said this,
And people who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget. They too are expending their lives. And when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years they've wasted. Is that where you want to be? Or do you want to be welcomed into the Lord's presence with well done, my good and faithful servant? Steve Saint, the son of Nate. Steve, who as a child heard that his father had been killed by the Wadani or the Alka Indians. He said, your story is the greatest legacy you will leave your friends. It's the longest lasting legacy you will leave to your heirs. Your story. How will your children remember you? How will people remember you? That's the legacy that you leave behind. Not a bank account. The apostle puts it like this. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Who did he give it to? How is anyone going to know it if we don't share it? You came to know Christ because someone shared the gospel with you. Who have you shared it with? Who will you share it with? So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And if we are silent, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. When Jesus hung on the cross, there were two thieves, one at his right and one at his left. And as the crucifixion began in the early hours, the people in front of the cross and the thieves either side were all making fun of Jesus and mocking him. But as Jesus hung on the cross and he began to speak, and we're told there are seven things that Jesus said from the cross. Among those seven things was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And during those things, those brief statements that Jesus made, the two thieves originally were making fun of Jesus. But at a certain point, one of the thieves stopped. And even there, hanging on a cross, he turned and spoke to his fellow thief. And he said, we're dying because we deserve it. We've done wrong things. This man has done nothing wrong. And he turned to Jesus, and so simply he said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And even there on the cross, Jesus said, this very day you will be with me in paradise. So great was the love of Jesus that even there, hanging on a cross, he reached out and he saved a man who is nailed there with him. We're not nailed to a cross. We move freely 
Nothing is holding back our lips, our mouths from speaking, our hands from serving. Our hands are not nailed. Can we not be ambassadors for Christ? Can we not live a life on mission?